Hey, Isaac here. And me. Yeah, that's John from, uh, well, you clicked on the show. And we are wanting to hear from you, the listener. We got an email. That we do. And we want to hear from you. Yes, you. Have you ever been abducted by UFOs on a Kentucky back road? Stare at a t-shirt wearing Bigfoot in the eyes? Or shoot the Willopus Wallopus in the face? We want to hear about it. Let's confabulate on your theories. So email us at rumorsconfab at gmail.com to get your input in the show. And y'all check out that Instagram thing. Yeah, that too. And again, that is rumorsconfab at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Peace. Also, that's pretty good. Yeah, that was fine. <laughs> 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 Sorry, I'm gonna keep doing that. <laughs> so, welcome back to Rumors and Confabulation, everybody, for part two of the Twelve Tribes cult, or the Yellow Deli cult, or the Vine. I'm not gonna get to all the communities that they are, <laughs> but let's dive right into it. When we left off, Gene Spriggs had just founded his new church, the Vine Community Church. And he was already casting a big, um, a big shadow of doubt towards modern Christians that he was just really, he was just flat out attacking modern Christians. And he saw that people should be living the way that the original disciples lived. He saw that people should give up their earthly possessions. He also saw that they should give them up to him. I don't know where that was in the scripture. But I mean, so. if they're going to give it up, they have to give it somewhere. So he's like, better I take it than give it to the some. Yeah, <laughs> I'll handle how it gets dispersed. Yeah, he's like, I'll handle the details. Y'all, y'all just give it. <laughs> yeah, just, just give me. So people are living at his home slash church slash coffee shop, and they are working for the old deli. They're not getting paid. Um, to work, but they're working very hard, and they have given everything that they have to Gene Spriggs. Gene Spriggs really, at this point, I mean, he has a cult. I mean, hook, line, and sinker on this one. He has got all the trappings of a cult, and I want to talk about a little bit, just a quick little story. So there's a girl named Melinda that came into the cult. She got brainwashed. Her parents didn't like it. Her parents went looking for her. They finally found her, and they got the help of Ted Patrick. And that's the main reason I want to talk about Melinda. because Ted Patrick, whose son was um, approached by the children of God. Uh, he was led astray for a minute. Ted Patrick is the originator of like deprogramming programs. Oh, uh, that shit. So getting people out of cults and trying to rewire their brain a bit so that they stop being attached to the cult. Yeah. I don't know if we're going to The problem get... is that they, they basically just try to have their own cult in a way. It's the same exact persuasion techniques it's, as the cult. It, it's not sustaining is what I mean. You're basically trying to replace some trauma with another trauma to try to like, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, you're hammering in how bad they've been to you, which yes, it's true, but you need to let people just really kind of like gradually understand like, okay, I'm not evil if I don't submit to everything that Gene Spriggs wants me to do. 
Yeah, it's you know just a different form of the grieving process. Just let it take time, and you're fine. But if you got to sit there, yes. and... Because some of the shit they did for the deprogramming was oh, it's it's intense. Yeah, so it's intense. I mean that's a whole episode on its own. It definitely is. So, but this deprogramming worked for a while. She eventually she eventually did go back to the cult, but it did she did leave the cult. It was a joyous time when she came back. She she broke down. So Spriggs, now a self-stylized apostle. That's right. He's right up there with Peter. He is an apostle, so an he's, official one. So he's the him. 13th apostle? Yeah. He's above all the rest. <laughs> I, I, he's the 13th and the best. They're the best for life. I love, I love it. 13th and the best. That was a good <laughs> <laughs> He wrote an article in 1977, which just went into complete obedience training, essentially. It's how do you obey Gene Spriggs? He wrote later on that um, honoring those over you releases a hormone in your brain that grants long life. If you don't, your bones dry up. So, whoops. So you're sitting now, now it's another part of the whole foot in both camp. It's a different type of, like, uh, natural medicine and whatever. He's just like, do this, and it'll release this hormone. And See, okay, one of the things that he politely cherry-picked was the Amish style of medicine. The worst thing that you could take from the Amish, he took. He did not believe in modern medicine. It, well, let me rephrase. He did not believe in modern medicine for his followers. He believed it for himself. I mean, what else is he going to spend all the money that he's taken from him on? So? Exactly. If they're going to the hospital or to a doctor for every little ache and bone that they have, then that bill is going to start to climb because you know they don't have insurance. So this is a way for Gene Spriggs to save some cash, and he actually gave out a book. He had a there's a little booklet, which I mean I don't know when the booklet exactly took into effect, but, but there was a booklet that detailed had like recipes, literal recipes for different remedies. Mm-hmm. It had it broken down the exact same as if you looked at a cookbook. It's like, one pinch of witch's eye. No, I don't know what it actually said. No, I, I get you But it was, it was, you know, just, it's bizarre. They believed in zero modern medicine. Well, I mean, we're going to get into it, but there's also another reason for that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot to, yeah. We'll put that on on the back burner for now. Spriggs, uh, of course, had the typical cult isolation. Um, once you get into the cult, he um, is kind of telling people like, okay, you came here for a reason. You feel disenfranchised or, or dis... Well, I don't want to say disillusioned because that's what they are, but <laughs> he doesn't see it that way. You know, you're feeling this kind of feeling of displacement for some reason, probably because your parents hate you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're no good to them, or at least that's how they see you. You know, he always he constantly struck on people's like relationships with their family and with those that are close to them. Like they're not doing what's right by you mm-hmm. by not supporting this clearly. So they're in the wrong. You're in the right. They he constantly hammers this in, and the I'm, I want to say I don't have official numbers here, but I want to say at least ninety percent of his. Uh, congregation are young individuals. Well, it's like what we were talking. He he went. He started those yellow delis up around college campuses and stuff. Yeah, and he so he set up that first one right around yeah Chattanooga. 
and then the one in Georgia and Alabama, also by colleges. Uh, he would eventually go to Boulder, Colorado, University of Colorado. Um, he would go to places in North Carolina. There's uh, Vermont. There are a lot of different places at the LW. Now, today, it's an international cult. There are campuses that the Yellow Deli sits nearby in England and in the Czech Republic. Japan even has a Yellow Deli. Huh. There, it's insane, the Yellow Deli, the guys that has, it's just snuck into actual, like, it's a main street of these places, too. It's got prime real estate in these places. Well, everything's got to be walking distance from campus and stuff, too, so that definitely just got to be, yeah. Right. Right. I mean, you've been in plenty of college towns. Imagine, you know, it's it's a like deli slash cafe right next to a college campus that has that puts off like hippie vibes. If you're for, if you've ever been to Red River Gorge, it puts off Miguel's kind of vibes. Yeah, that yeah, like Miguel's I said, pizza. We've described it as crunchy so far, and you're just going definition right there. So <laughs> good pizza though. Shout out, legit shout out to Miguel's Pizza in Red River Gorge, Kentucky. Fantastic, beautiful place. Good pizza. <laughs> Did not get paid for that. So doubts were definitely starting to spread in Chattanooga about what Gene Spriggs was building. Word has started to reach people. The, the gossip was out. The rumors were out. So Spriggs kind of doubled down. Not only were was modern Christianity of Satan, the whole outside world is of Satan. Everything beyond that congregation of people is of Satan is evil. I mean, once you start believing that, you're completely, you're in there. You're in Yeah, there. and then they got these restaurants to connect them to the outside world. It's just like... Mm-hmm. And the whole time, too, though, that they're doing it. They Well, they do have a, a that's the strange thing. Everything is of, of Satan, but they also have an evangelical way about them. They want to pull in people. That's their primary goal, always, is to pull people in. And that's why the Yellow Delis, that's the whole purpose on the outside yeah. That's the whole purpose for the old Dilly, is to reach college-age people that need guidance. So Gene Spriggs, uh, he, the cult really took off with Gene Spriggs at the helm, and especially by 1978. The cult was like, in, it was in full gear, just going. Now, some things did happen that kind of uh, dampened his sales a bit. Uh, There's a child custody case, which shed a lot of light on the cult. Uh, that was having Chattanooga. Six children, ranging from seven to twelve, were given to the cult by their father. The mother didn't approve of this. She tried to find them, couldn't find them because the cult was hiding them. They had spread them across Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee. Um, yeah, it was a whole thing. It's really not good. I don't want to dwell on it because I feel like um, yeah, but but they used they used their geographic how they were spread out they use that to their advantage to hide i think that's the main thing i want to highlight in that story is that yeah it they were so comfortable with lying and so comfortable with doing something that's so awful keeping six children from their mother well i can't remember where i read it or listen to it or you know i read it somewhere but they were talking about how like you were talking about the whole outside world is satanic that's the reason they were okay with lying to like police yep. and investigators because yep. they're like, you all are a Satan, so it's okay to lie to you. Yep. We they just don't lie. S- they, they saw it as if you, they kind of get like hall passes. You know, they get a pass for like, God's like, well, that lie's okay because you're doing it for me. 
which actually they're doing it for Gene Spriggs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because Gene Spriggs has nothing to do with God. Um, he's using and manipulating. So, to that point, churches and colleges started to kind of take notice of what was happening with them, kind of start to see his MO a little bit, and uh, they started to really put the word out. They started to put it in, like, start talking to people about it. Start. I think they even put it, like, in a paper, like, taking out ads and stuff, kind of, like, really saying, like, watch out for these people, like, it is a cult. And actually, that Ted Patrick guy, the deep programmer guy, he recognized it as he's one of the early people that kind of had like a guideline of like this makes a cult and he definitely recognized it as a cult the child abuse uh case um that came that um i, I will say to uh, one thing that i do want to say about that and i feel like a lot of the because as we'll get into the yellow deli cult is almost synonymous with child abuse and I, I feel like, though, the root of that is the fact that Gene Spriggs, as a child, was beaten by his father. I mean, it's also 30s, 40s, 50s. It's just that was a lot more normal yeah, back then. It was, but it's still not normal. No, no, no. They they took it to a level that wasn't just smacking him with a belt. That was, like, full on, yeah. Well, so he was beaten pretty severely by his father. He was also beaten by his football coach. Mm-hmm. And so I think he saw this... He had a love for both of these men, and I think he saw their, like, this is how he's getting attention, and this is how he can do good. He's, it worked for him, in a way, because that's when he felt that he was at his most motivated. Like, they actually motivated him, but they would beat him. So he started to see, okay, beating is what requires, is what is required to have discipline. And this is what he started teaching his congregation because they definitely started having babies they quickly started having babies so he had to kind of make a policy here how are we doing child rearing it's this is cult 101 you got to get there at some point (laughs) what's your child rearing policy yeah well it's also it's easier to grow the cult via procreation than it is well absolutely so they're just like yeah but then they just yeah so for him they're um what they are instilling in their members and then passing down to their children is that it is, he took that whole, the whole spare the rod, don't spare the rod part of the Bible. He took that so literally and so um, fervently. He was so about that. And um, many observers, many people that were allowed into the group um, and things like that, they um, often noted, especially around this time, how malnourished, the children were um, like the earliest children of the cult. They were very, very abused. Well, abuse takes multiple forms. It's not just physical beatings. It's neglection in terms of malnourishment, just no attention and that kind of stuff. So completely. So with all of this, there was dirty children, children bruises, things like that. This really um, took a whole new life, and they had to leave Chattanooga because by 1979. There's all the there's a huge anti cult wave because of what happened in Jonestown. So he got backlash because of what Jim Jones did and the you know killing of nine hundred something people. He had to get out of he had to get out of Dodge here. So he went to a place pretty far away from Chattanooga. He went to Island Pond, Vermont, which became known as Northeast Kingdom Community Church. He made a restaurant. 
called Common Sense Cafe. He also would regularly use, in later uh, places, he would also use the name Common Grounds Cafe. Wait a minute. We can delete this if need be, but there's a coffee thing in Lexington called Common Grounds. Or is that just probably... That's also probably a common common coffee shop name. Common Grounds Coffee House. I hope not, because I'd like... Dude, you, you said Common Grounds, and I was just like, oh. It's been in Lexington since 1992. Oh, it has? I was going to say, because, like, you know they haven't just kept the Yellow Deli, because everybody knows about the Yellow Deli. I did not know about the Common Grounds thing until... Oh, my gosh. We just found our <laughs> separate tangent episode. <laughs> Okay. Anyways, I got to that's fine. But yeah. So with the Common Sense Cafe, it just became exactly what the lighthouse was. But this time in Vermont, he also in Vermont. This is when he really started to expand his portfolio. You might say he opened a bakery in Vermont. He also opened a plumbing service in Vermont. And this is also the time that he starts to. Add in little dollops into the into the faith. Uh, this is when he starts calling Jesus now exclusively by the Hebrew name Yahshua. And this is also when he himself would take a Hebrew name, which he, I'm not exactly sure how it's pronounced, but it's spelled Y-O-N-E-G, Yon, Yoneg. I've heard Yoneg, yeah. So that's his name now. Um, also, other people started taking Hebrew names, uh, which Yoneg means sprig in Hebrew. Okay, yeah, I knew I knew I'd heard that before for that reason. Now, okay, yep. yeah, Eddie Wiseman took on—I can't remember what the name is—but it's the Hebrew word for wise man. Oh, okay, yeah, they're clever. They're yeah, clever. They <laughs> so he, this is the time too where he also really started to expand upon the Pelly, the William Dudley Pelly esque kind of that I referred to in episode or part one of this. Mm-hmm. This is when he really started to expand on that idea because this is when uh, they got more exclusive. This is they were cutting off like, okay, we don't like black people. Yeah, you know, he he became very racist, and uh, they would take black people. I will say that. But they would still teach them that basically you can be receive salvation, but it's just going to take a little more work out of you because of the color of your skin. Or they you kind of have to redeem yourself for that in of itself. Well, now I'm trying to remember that verse of Genesis, the the argument the rest of them used the oh yeah ham. It's the mark of ham yeah yeah that 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 yeah, I couldn't yeah, remember it ham, off the top of my head ham man. A ham sandwich, just like they serve at the Yellow Deli. It, they, they love it. They are all about it. They justify uh, like This see, is one the, of those. Sorry, go. No, no, no you're, no, you're fine. But this just like that's the problem when they hear he's already picking and choosing beliefs for that. Like this. Oh yeah. What he want? So that means he can just go into the Bible and just pull any verse he wants uh-huh. to and just piece them together. However, and be like, here you go. So, mm-hmm. but and and this is where I say he has to have come across William Dead William Dudley Pelly's work because this is so he gets so reminiscent of the silver shirts right here. The way that he just he actually at times would justify slavery by saying that it was a necessity that every creature, every person has their place, you know, has their purpose from God, and that at the time was just their purpose. Yeah, but that yeah that idealism died out back in the 1800s when everybody else was abolishing slavery but he's just like nope we're gonna keep he kept going 
just like William Pet uh, William Pelly did before him. Uh, it's he also believed at this time he really is opening up the playbook on uh, the hundred and forty four thousand souls that will get into hell. Well, I guess it's easy for them because they don't have nearly one hundred forty four thousand members. Well, not close. <laughs> but they um they get right into that whole thing. I mean. This is at least the second. Is it the third cult we've talked about that's had this ideology? Well, any, anybody that comes off of the seventh, or is, is it seventh day, or is it Jehovah's Witness? Whoever does, they all do that. Jehovah's Witness, I believe. But at least they got twelve tribes, so it's easy to break up twelve thousand right. per tribe, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easy math for that. The, yeah. the twelve tribes, by the way, is they do believe it is like a twelve, 12 separate congregations. The weird part about it is that they have more than 12 like communes so so they're all they're all they're all just jockeying for a position in the top 12 to see who gets to go i think that might be it or maybe there's like an over oh, there's like an umbrella like okay the chattanooga commune they oversee the georgia and alabama one the one in vermont oversees the one in maine the one in colorado oversees the one in wyoming you know maybe they have like a, yeah. a network there or yeah. they have a hub, and then it spreads out. That makes yeah. more sense, yeah. <laughs> they're regional districts. Yeah, they're just like <laughs> yes. a franchise. They're just like a franchise. Exactly. So, yeah. You have a regional manager. So, Spriggs uh, wanting to go back to... He also wanted to go back to the way things used to be. And I think nothing shows that more so than the method of how he particularly wanted to beat children. And that was with a old-fashioned reed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he really wanted to take it back to the good old days. Go out and pick up a Switch. <laughs> and not the Nintendo variety. No. That would be really weird to be beat with one of those because it would probably really break first. It would. <laughs> also, uh, one thing I want to point out is that the tribe, sorry, the cult, were never um, given access to TVs or electronics. None of them had a Game Boy. See, that's why I have a, conf- I can't, I get confused how this stuff like keeps going past like into this century because it's like the internet should just break all this stuff. And if somebody's telling you you can't get on the internet, you're kind of like, well, yeah, yeah. but I guess these people embrace heads. it. These yeah. people embrace it. I will just say, uh, too, there's a lot of things that we can get into right now, but I prefer, I would prefer because I, at this point in time within the cult. Really what happens is just it's a constant motion of like child abuse scandal, child abuse scandal. Um, they're racist. Something's happening here. Something's happening there. Uh, he gets, he got like jumped once on a return trip to Tennessee. I think Spriggs did. Mm-hmm. Um, Newsweek magazine was highlighting the child death rate in the cult. Um, there was a cult member named Roland who stripped his daughter and beat her. That that was a that's a nasty one. I was gonna say I know their German uh, section had all, had some of the really bad stuff the, too. Their German section and that happened much later. That yeah. happened very. That happened in like 2013. Yeah. So you're saying everybody else has covered the child abuse stuff? That yes. It well yeah it, yes. I don't want to just harp on that because I feel like that's mostly what is harped on with this cult, and I I want to just focus on just more of just like. The cults, just the way they are, <laughs> just what is going on with this, yeah. these people, you know? And not, unless the specifics of each individual case. 
I, I mean, I do just want to say it's out there, and it happened in basically every single compound. There's been at least one scandal. And in Island Pond, Vermont, the biggest scandal that they, or the biggest event for the cult, something else happened. He, he had adaptability, I will say, or he had a, he saw when a moment happened, and he could grab it and say, okay, I'm taking control of this moment because the police and with a team of psychologists and whatnot raided the compound in Island Pond, Vermont, and took like a hundred kids from their parents in order to psych evaluate them and make sure to medically evaluate them. However, before any sort of evaluations could happen, the cor- a court quickly convened and quickly said that you don't have you don't have the right to actually do this. So you just so they had to give all the children just back before they evaluate them. So they got them. So basically, what happened was the scare factor and just the like. He Spriggs easily was able to set this up as they are the villains. They're of Satan. Look at what they tried to do. They tried to take you from us. They hurt you. You know, like he's spinning it in all these different ways. And from that point on, it became a celebration day. He would refer to it as the raid, the day of the raid, and every year. On that date, they would have a celebration. And it was uh, in June. can't remember the exact date, but it's in June. And they would celebrate the day of the raid every well, year. Well, like you said, that ju- that's just a justification of their ex- existence, and they're going to use that to... Right. It's their persecution. Because they wanted to be persecuted. They want people to be like, to say, you can't do that. That's what they want. But they, in their minds, like, which, okay, we've been being around the bush. We've been listening to their podcasts, everybody who's listening. They have podcasts of their own. And I don't want to shamelessly plug their podcasts because I have no affiliation with it. And nor is it good listening, aside from the great theme songs. They have I will great say. Theme songs. Well, so go, go on with the theme song. Go ahead. Yeah, they have great theme songs. There's three different podcasts that, you, that are available to listen to. They're all on 12tribes.org. Uh, a time to gather. Uh, what's the other one? Uh, a a at that okay. time. At that time, and then just the Twelve Tribes podcast. Okay. What's fascinating about this is that all of these were uploaded on January thirteenth, twenty twenty two. Wow! Every episode of everything, and there's not been anything updated since then. Well, they don't believe in the internet, so they have to like drive the town and just get their little signal and upload it and go back. So, <laughs> yeah, it no, does make the, me wonder who is running the website if they don't yeah. have internet. The 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 dude with the main dude that's in it, like he sounds like Ben Schwartz to me. I know you probably don't know who I'm talking about. He's from in Parks and Rec and Space Force, but he does the voice for Sonic oh. in the new Sonic movie. And that's that's all I could picture when he's talking <laughs> is that guy's that guy. And I'm just like, okay. Uh, well, his name is Hakine, and the other guy's name is Korim, and they are of the tribe of Manesh. That's the tribe of the 12 tribes that they belong to, is Manesh. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about just like how it sounds or what they say? Cause... I okay, I need to get finished with the actual okay. narrative here first. Okay. Before... So let's back up. I... I'm sorry, the podcast is just thrilling. <laughs> so... I just want to say, there's a lot of other cases, Spriggs right hand man, Wiseman, he got charged with beating a 13-year-old for seven hours. Um, he also, his wife died, and then he instantly was like married to his public defender for that case. 
Mm-hmm. Very interesting. That's a very interesting fact to me. They also blamed his wife's death on his wife because she got sick and she couldn't cure it herself because she's evil. That's seriously the logic they took. Well, she couldn't cure herself, so she must have had something wrong with her, spiritually. And then they also gave uh, Eddie Wiseman then the right, in air quotes, to then just immediately marry another woman. Not like he was cheating on her or anything like that. Never. No. He was just sleeping in the same house as his public defender while his wife was still alive. Well, I mean, when you're sharing a house with 24 other people, that's probably coincidence. <laughs> I will say, at this time, there are single other homes, and Eddie Wiseman had his own place. Ah, oh, okay. It, and other people, yeah, he had, he took care of those, which, by the way, that's something I should say, similar to other cults, he took care of uh, doctors that would come in to the cult, or any sort of high, you know, high class. Highly skilled individuals. People, yeah. He would take care of them. He would definitely give them privileges. Inner circle types did. Inner circle, for sure. I think this is a good time to bring up that Gene Spriggs was not faithful at all. Um, it was a pretty like open secret that he would just go for days to go s- spend time with a non-cult member woman. She was not even part of the cult. But he'd go spend time with her. Um, which, that is just interesting. He also would hide a TV... He, uh, there's a TV <laughs> found. <laughs> he hid that. He also hid, it, but owned a pair of very expensive New Balance hiking shoes, which would be forbidden. I didn't know New Balance did hiking shoes. But I, <laughs> I didn't either. Gene Spriggs did, though, and he got on it. <laughs> In 2006, Spriggs um, also took another, another reason why I bring up William Dudley Pelly with... Gene Spriggs is that he moved to North Carolina. Oh, yeah. He bought a mansion in Hiddenite, North Carolina, which is basically, it's like in between Asheville and Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. And Pelly was in Asheville. So it's very, uh, to me, that is very like, I wonder where he got that idea to go to North Carolina of all places. I mean, maybe it was just the place that he loved, but it's quite the coincidence. Well, I mean, if you, if, if you want the geography of Vermont, but somewhere less cold, I mean, that part of North Carolina is probably... Well, not that bad, but still. I know. He I'm could have being. gone to Florida if he wanted that. No mountains in Florida. <laughs> well, to wrap a bow on Gene Spriggs himself, to conclude our my kind of life story of Gene Spriggs, and to get us caught up to where we are today with the cult, Gene Spriggs died in... 2021. He died last year at the age of 83. Wow, I thought he died earlier than that. Okay. He died last year from respiratory issues. So... He was living in his North Carolina mansion. He had been seeking for years. He had had medical attention that was going beyond what his cult allowed. And for years, he was completely hidden in his mansion in North Carolina. Completely hidden from the public eye. People speculated before his death if he even was already dead. Now, the interesting, the very interesting part of this is that this is definitely a cult that's built on his personality. And is he is the de facto leader of this cult. But they're still going without him. They are setting fires to the Colorado 
planes, <laughs> but they're still going. I think it's that most people think that this cult is not does not have a long life left. Mm-mm. And so what's shocking to the cult members, and I'm not sure exactly what they're doing to uh, cope with this, is the fact that Gene Spriggs said that he was like the harbinger of the end times. They believe that they are, we are at the end of days. So is um, his they death are one of those. the opening of the first seal? Honestly, that might be how they're twisting it. Because without him, especially him dying before his wife, I saw that brought up. Like... That can't happen for the followers. They She needs to die first because she's not, especially from a medical reason. And he also said that a living a godly, completely godly life is long life. Like, he almost was like, I will keep on going until the end days are right here. And I, I'm leading all of you into the, to the heavens. So now things are different, obviously. Now I feel like from what I've been able to manage and see especially from the podcasts i feel like they are going in much more of like hey we're just a couple of really friendly people hanging around doing work on the farm we're just cool come hang out with us you know kind of thing they still definitely a cult but i almost feel like they're a cult built off of a board of trustees at this point and the board of trustees is unknown to us yeah, our board of directors, I think, is what you almost got to like. Board of directors, yeah. Like, they got to keep their yeah. investments growing, but, like, yeah, because it's, like, all new-agey and, like, chill and, like, uh, I didn't even say new-agey, right? New-agey. I said new-agey. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like that, and then they bring up the Stone Kingdom, and you're like, what? Yeah, which, okay, let's bring up the Stone Kingdom. So, yeah, I don't know where they got the Stone Kingdom stuff from. By the way, the type of Bible that they always use in the podcast is just the New American Standard. Which okay, you would think for the revivalists that they, they are, wouldn't. they would use the absolute earliest translation of the Bible they could find. But yeah. no, it's a new American standard. So the Stone Kingdom, there's a whole song about it on the At That Time podcast, which only has one episode. Uh, so it's not that bad of a listen. But it's got great artwork. Um, it's got, for some reason, a pregnant woman standing over a burning city. I'm not sure what that's about. Uh, it's probably illustrating something, but... <laughs> the Stone Kingdom, though, is the kingdom that they are building. They are building what Yahshua wants, and what Yahweh wants, which is the Stone Kingdom. And the Stone Kingdom is going to be the people, the people chosen by Yahweh and Yahshua. The people are the Stone Kingdom. And if you aren't of the Stone Kingdom, you will be broken broken down into bones and dust. This is what happens when you mess with the Stone Kingdom. That's kind of yeah, like that that and like <laughs> well like listen I listened to it a couple of times and read chapter two of Daniel that they kept referencing yeah, but it's like they, kept, they th- keep on they say in the podcast I wrote down some notes, but they're basically just like um like the Stone Kingdom is made up of living stone and the living stone are the members. Mm-hmm. And right. the stones of the Stone Kingdom will break the rest of the world so yes we'll so break. they sound violent and yes yeah. but like the rest of it it just sounds like oh because like the dude's talking and there's like they have like a track of birds chirping and stuff in the background mm-hmm. and like it's all yep. chill and they're happy they're happy but then yeah the guy talks about how if you what's the exact line in the song if you hit the stone and you're not you are not of the stone then your bones will bend and break 
Mm-hmm. Like it says things like that. Like that. I, I mean, I know I said that stuff as a joke, but like they literally do say things like that in this in this show. Oh, one thing I thought was really funny. I listened to the first episode actually today. I listened to the first episode of a Time to Gather podcast. Um, and in the first episode, they say like the other guy, not the main guy, but the other guy who makes me laugh a lot because he's always just kind of jumps in. He's like, yeah, now let me tell you about this. This is wild. Okay. So, before you say what he said, the thing that was really disconcerting to me about the way they record, because I, I was listening to it with like uh, earbuds, like someone in each ear, they didn't level out their channel. So one guy's talking in one oh, ear yeah. and the other guy's talking in the other. And I'm like, Fuck, no. No, so that made be, it even creepier because yeah. he'd come in to say like what you're saying and you're just like, damn yeah. it. He'll, it is a weird production style they've got going on. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of songs and a lot of uh, clumping and clanking and things. Just a yeah. lot of noise. Which There's I mean, we've, had, we've been guilty of that sometimes too. So, <laughs> you know, not, not to harp on that too much. But he actually just downright, he just said that this podcast is not... To, for brain simulation, it's not for enjoyment. This podcast is to learn. We're bringing you the message of the people. We are wanting to show you the salvation, and that's what you should get out of this podcast. So they, um, he very much said, "You you are going to hate what you hear. <laughs> this sucks." <laughs> well, it's almost like an audio manifesto. Yeah, like in four kind of parts. Is. That's what it. That's really, really wrung into me. But they just kind of added a soundtrack to it. Uh, and let me say too. Here, here's the description from their own website of the at that time podcast. At that time connects ancient biblical prophecies with today's events. Are we living in the last days? That's the whole description. That's it. Yeah, and that podcast they literally pull it from one chapter of Daniel. Yeah, and it's it's and it's literally the chapter where Daniel's just uh, interpreting Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Yeah, yeah, and barely a few paragraphs, and it's like, okay, this is the whole end time. And he references a verse of John, or a couple of verses of that, and you're still yeah. just like, uh, okay. And and I will say, in time to gather, they do talk about Revelation a little bit. Time to gather their description for this one is our father is gathering a people to produce the life of togetherness that was first seen in the disciples of the first century's church. Simple obedience to his word produces the life of togetherness and unity that turned the world upside down. Um, if what, here's a great quote from the, this podcast quote, marriages are falling apart these days because there is no love. The world has no love anymore. That's see, that's but okay, which, ah. Here's another great quote. Believing and obeying are the same thing. Well, that's a little bit problematic, but no, like you said, the thing about the love, the quote or the verse in John that mm-hmm. they say, it's like, he that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life shall get it everlasting. So yeah. you're supposed to be miserable now to get an everlasting yeah. life. You're they are very to. much, they keep saying, and because I really feel like this kind of, like the stuff that's on their website it's a, it's very they have a lot of material on their website by the way but it's very indicative of this is what they want people to see and so these things are um they keep talking in circles throughout their website they never actually give out like hard and fast like details or what they truly mean by what they Well that's saying. why I was kind of giving it that new agey thing of yes like, been through a bunch of that stuff and they just kind of like keep looping it back in and it's it's yeah. 
it's hypnotic almost, the cadence. They, they keep they, saying the exact same kind of things, just in different manners, just over and over and over again. It makes you wonder if they just started talking about that, because, I mean, you know how it is nowadays. Like, yeah. everybody's very susceptible to that kind of stuff, so even if they just catch a few people with an audio medium, then that's its own problem. Yep. There's so much with the obedience and submissive talk here. It's 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 a lot. Um, now the Twelve Tribes podcast, that one is a, a very different, and they're like talking to like a random child that's in one of the communes. It's kind of sad. That's kind of creepy, little, also. Yeah, it, it, you can clearly hear people all around them, like a lot of just <laughs> kind of stuff, and then this kid's like. Uh, if God lived on my street, this is why it, this is what God would have in his house on my street. And it's very obvious that he's like reading it and they're like prompting him to keep talking because yeah. he'll just take a big pause and be like, uh, seeing as they don't know how to edit <laughs> and just put it together. Yeah. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. It's just there. That, so that's, that one's really not worth it, but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, okay, so this is a cult, too, that I just wanted to kind of, like, leave the door open on a little bit because we might have to revisit it at some point, Tom, because the news is going to keep coming out about this cult. Yeah, it's they're, e- they're either going to die off quickly or there's going to be something coming out. Like, Even if they die off quickly, I feel like... It's going to be a reason because, they do. Yes, and I, and I feel like now because of the notoriety that they've gotten from the wildfire and these other scandals and things, I feel like that there's a lot underneath a lot, even more because there's a lot already there, but I feel like there's even more underneath that will just keep coming out. It's just a big onion because it's too big. There's like, supposedly there's 3000 members of the cult today that is spread literally across the world. Australia. Um, there's some interesting stuff. You can YouTube it. Um, there's some clips uh, from Australia of an expose that they did of their compound. And uh, they had a former leader who was American, but he was leading the Australian congregation. And he actually left. He had a look about him. And this brings me to something that I didn't, I never got to with Gene Spriggs. He had a look. His look, as you know, everybody, every good cult leader's got to have a definitive look. His look was a uh, ponytail, big beard, glasses. Round glasses, to be exact. Now, he told all of his male followers to sport a beard and a ponytail. And if you wear glasses, make them round. And this became part of their living structure. (laughs) So every man that you see living in this cult has a ponytail. I was going to say that sounds kind of (laughs) creepy. Well, it's more than... We're just told to just dress conservatively and do as you're told. Oh yeah, he's definitely much more new agey than I was thinking. Yeah, looking, he looks very hippie. He, I'm telling you, they give off the hippie vibe and the new age vibe. That is the vibe they're going for. But then when you get there, it's like, oh, they're abusive <laughs> and they're harsh. So some other things I just want to point out. He <laughs> something I had no knowledge of until I just saw it randomly. Told from a ex member that they um, limit toilet paper use to two sheets, two sheets per per time. Was that was that a lockdown law? A they lockdown got put law. in. They counted plies. <laughs> They're seeing how much you got. Uh, again, the the glasses and the the hair and all that. 
Um, I talked about how they have some very, very backwards belief on race and slavery. Um, they took it so far as to actually commend uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest, who we have discussed on this podcast in the past, not as not being it. the first Grand Wizard of the KKK and uh, Fane's Confederate general, uh, who really is known for being so brutal. So what did they do with him? They commended him. They thought oh, he was commended awesome. him. Okay, I thought you said they yeah. amended. I was like, okay, no, they thought he was great. Which, so he got a commendation why? from. I don't know. He gets a commendation. They love him. New members again must give all their possessions to the community, and that is kind of like a community thing. So eventually, there is like a pool of source resources. Um, they have so many shell companies. There's uh, there's an expose. There's several exposes and. One of them details all the different organizations that they have just in like the Boulder community. There's a construction uh, company that they have that according to, you know, different documents, this construction company, which says that they are just a family owned and operated construction company. That's all it says about them. If you look into it, Mm -hmm. but if you do a deep, deep, deep dive, you see that they are owned by the 12 tribes. They at their heyday were making a million dollars a year plus a year. This is not even talking about the yellow deli and they're not paying any of these people. And the other various common sense, common grounds, what, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. all their different cafes, all their different businesses, they got plumbing. They've got, they're a one stop shop cult. That's what they are. They, they're make it easy for you. If you need something done called 12 tribes, they got you. Is that the tagline of the episode? Because <laughs> it really sounded like that was your conclusion. Because <laughs> you sat up and gave me the Uncle Sam finger. I mean, it kind of is. The, this is, That is kind of where I would like to leave the 12 tribes. Because there is no end to them. They're still going. Um, I mean, I just hope that they stop abusing children. And oh, stop being so racist and sexist. and just Or just stop. Yeah, that'd be the best. There is one last thing I forgot to bring up. Okay. they Their current iteration really wants to... This, this is something that Gene Spriggs did, but this current iteration focuses on tracking people down on trails. They go for big-time hiker types. And these big-time hiker types, the ones that we're talking about are like ones on the Appalachian Trail. So what they've done is actually set up hostels along the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail and the Continental Divide Trail, which is uh, Colorado, Wyoming. They set up these hostels that are easy places for people who are walking the trail to just stop off, you know, and just rest. Some people, they would offer them, they'd say, hey, if you want to do like a, just like clean some dishes or do something like quick, you know, pick some carrots, whatever. If you want to do some of that here at this, you know, we'll, uh, we'll feed you. We'll, we'll do all sorts of stuff. Like we'll help you out. Like we'll clean your clothes. You know, we'll, we'll help you out. So mm-hmm. a lot of people end up staying multiple days with the, with the cult. Mm. And the experiences vary. Some people were like, I'm going to go back and visit them. They were so cool. Other people are like, they freaked me out. Get them away from me. Uh, especially women. Uh, definitely oh, got bad yeah. vibes from them. Very pushy, very pushy. Uh, cornered people, uh, that kind of thing. Especially women. They would corner, uh, they, they would try to just 
coerced kind of through force in a way. Well, also intimidation. Women who tend to like go hike those trails and stuff tend to be a little bit more perceptive of that kind of shit than like just every day. That yeah, because you already have to be of a certain mindset to be like ballsy enough to go. Like I wouldn't go hike the Appalachian Trail by myself or whatever. Like right, doing that by yourself, yeah, that's a big undertaking. And yeah, so that's the kind of people that they're trying to. That's their target. And they actually do have some people. They, for a fact, uh, some people that they recruited at Boulder from the um, Continental Divide Trail. That is their like primary tactic. That and the Yellow Delis right now, and they are spreading internationally um, to that point to make it kind of topical. Um, they have a uh, support Ukraine stuff when you log into their website. It's like the first thing you see. Mm-hmm. They talk about their Yugos. You you. It's not Yugoslavia anymore. It's Czech Republic, I think, or Czechia. Yeah, it is. They call it the the um, their Slavic people or something like that. That's, uh, okay. That's odd. Well, yeah, I mean, if it's they, they, they have racism. a uh, they have a compound in Czech Republic, and so they are um, they have like letters to the Ukraine and stuff like that. They have like specific like sermons on their website just for Ukraine right now, mm. which I mean. I am all about supporting Ukraine in this time. But but with the way they um, already are, you can see them taking advantage of refugees. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly where my brain went. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think that brings us to the conclusion of part two and our little series on the 12 tribes. I know this is kind of a little different than the way we normally would cover uh a series, but um, I think this is a pretty good glimpse into just kind of what the 12 tribes cult is. That was a good way to cover it. I like the way we did it. I think this has been good. I've had a lot of fun. Um, 12 tribes is infinitely fascinating to me. And again, we might come back to them because uh, they've got a lot more to, to, to tell. Yeah. Someone's going to drop like a tell all expose in the yeah. next like few years or something. There's no, yep. yeah. I think it's going to start really coming out. Just like it happened with Children of God, I think you're going to see a lot of this stuff starting to come out. Well. (sighs) Let's see how dirty it gets, everybody. Love y'all. Don't join a cult. Don't trust a man named Yonig. But do follow us on stuff. (laughs) Oh, yeah, but follow us on stuff. And, hey, if you've ever been a part of a cult, or if you've ever experienced a cult, if you've ever ate at a yellow deli, yeah, email that's what us. I want to hear about. Yeah, Email us at rumorsconfabulation at gmail.com. Wait, it's just rumorsconfab. Rumors. You'll edit and get it right. <laughs> rumorsconfab at gmail.com. Email us there for all that stuff because we want to hear about it. And we'll talk about it. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, we want to hear about that. Check out Instagram and all that. And uh, anything you want to plug real quick, John? Is there anything you do anything special on your OnlyFans or anything like that? Real special. I had promotion? to shut that. I had to shut that down due to complaints. So, peace. <laughs> See ya.